Well, welcome back to the Building Peace Initiative at youwantapieceofmeonline.com. This is John Van Bladel. And today, we're going to be doing another podcast titled, We Are Worthy, Communicating Our Needs. It's really We Are Worthy Part 2. Um, <laughs> I have a cat wandering around now, you know, in my little office space here. I shut the door and the two of them have to like throw themselves against the door. I guess they just don't want to miss out on what's going on here today. Um, but here we are, me and the cat. So if anything falls over or you hear a noise, it's probably one of them knocking something over. So I'm going to be inviting the Bella Mindfulness. By the way, I only have two cats, so it's not like I have 22 of them. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to try to invite the bell of mindfulness today. Now, last time it really wasn't being picked up by the mic. Apparently, the program I'm using uh, changed a little bit because it was an update. So, you'll probably get a couple of seconds of the bell, and then we'll just breathe in and out together. Um, three breaths, and then I will continue talking. So, let's give it a try. Remember to breathe in and out all the way in all the way out now oddly i think if i talk the bell gets picked up all right so something that's always impressed me dating back to my childhood is how much easier life could be and how much suffering could be avoided if we just would take the time to listen to each other as i've noted in the compassionate communication guidelines which i've posted on um the website, um, we listen with the express intent of understanding to what the other person has to say. Now, it sounds very simple, but it's not. And if you just take the time to be present in the way that you listen, um, your listening skills will change, and the other person will probably benefit from it. You'll also increase empathy levels, which remains the foundation of relationships at least ones that I would aspire to be a part of. So if we could listen in this matter, we would not have endured thousands of years of warfare and so many conflicted interpersonal relationships, uh, even close ones where people are just not happy. Uh, we tend to do a lot of jousting, who's right, who's wrong, uh, who will win. And one of the examples that I think of, just heard a meow in the background so I had a look, uh, one of the examples that often comes up for me is an episode of House Hunters International. Now, the prospective buyer was haggling over the price of a residence, uh, the cost of which was multi-millions of dollars. And the difference was really not significant. And finally, the exasperated realtor suggested that, you know, compromise is a good thing. And the buyer's response was this. Compromise? Then everyone walks away unhappy. Now, that is a very interesting perspective. It's a dualistic perspective or point of view that plagues many re relationships between individuals in workplaces, between countries. Uh, fighting for dominance, demanding, getting our way uh, can be exciting for many. I think this is why we have sports, and one of these days I'll get into sports as a culture. Um, also games like Risk, Paintball, lots of video games like Highlander. But it's really not what most want at least not in their personal lives. You know, competing within a zero-sum game is not what most people find fulfilling in a relationship. 
<clears throat> so, and I want to be clear that if you're listening to these podcasts and you want more fulfilling relationships and lives, that it is possible if we make some small, simple, basic changes that most of us are capable of making. Uh, we've addressed two of them, the Compassionate Communication Guidelines and Nonviolent Communication, and they can really change the quality of our relationships um, pretty quickly. So I'm just going to go a little bit off of exactly the center of what I'm doing today. There are some who are not ready or motivated, and that can be an issue if you have to deal with them in the various relationships you have, and that includes the workplace. Uh, now, I mention this because I don't want you to get frustrated with people who are not in a position where they're ready just yet to change. And one of the special cases are called gaslighters. Now, I'm trying not to label here, but we're just going to use this for descriptive terms. Briefly, gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation that's designed to create self-doubt, undermining our sense of security and sanity. It serves a need for the people that are doing it. Now, gaslighters have a way of making us feel as though we're responsible for their unhappiness. They project their own insecurities onto us, and we become an emotional dumpster for them. Uh, you become convinced that if you are responsible, that you are responsible for their feelings. The old, if only you would try harder, I would be happier. You get that sense within you, and it's uh, just a no-win type situation. If you're in one of these relationships, asserting yourself is going to be a lot harder, as you'll hear things like, you're too sensitive. You're making a big deal out of nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you need therapy. Uh, and by the way, therapy is not such a bad idea. It can be the start of you recognizing that your needs are valid and finding more fulfilling relationships. So in essence, in these relationships, there's a misalignment of goals. We want more life-enriching interactions, honesty, empathy, emotional closeness. They don't. So find someone else to play with. I call this play because it should be rewarding and fun. And in a relationship, growth together can be a whole lot of fun. But today, we're going to be talking about non-gaslighters and what we can do to have better communication and more fulfilling relationships with the average person. Let's try the bell again. Remember, breathing in, breathing out. Okay, so even in loving relationships, and love is defined very differently by people, due to our family of origin usually, we're sometimes hesitant to speak up and ask for our needs to be met. Now, in the podcast about a month ago, We Are Not Worthy, Part 1, I addressed some of the reasons why this occurs. Now, one is taking responsibilities or responsibility for others' feelings and happiness. Now, back to Marshall Rosenberg, he makes an interesting point. Very often, the way love is defined, it does violence to both people. It almost makes them a slave to the other. For example, if to be in love or to be married... It means that I'm responsible for the other person's happiness. Now we get into this guilt game, where if they're upset, I'm at fault. Soon that makes the person we're closest to about as much fun to be around as a prolonged dental appointment. Now, there's another good little book here that I just 
found again. True Love, A Practice for Awakening the Heart by Thich Nhat Hanh. And this really does a nice job. It's a short little book, but you have to take your time reading it. Um, it really takes time to explain how that if we don't really understand the other person, the way in which we love them may actually cause us harm. I actually gave this to a friend of mine who hasn't read it yet, who I'm trying to um, get to have a different level of communication with. But it's, uh, again, people sometimes are hesitant because getting into this uh, makes you a little bit more vulnerable than you're comfortable with sometimes. So let me use an example. Um, you've probably met quite a few people who reflexively say, I'm sorry for no apparent reason. You know, you'll drop a pen. Uh, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, let's say I would have spilled a drink on my shirt or dropped that pen. And you say you're sorry. Well, why would you say you're sorry? unless you bumped into it to me and caused it. Now, for me, this is a pretty extreme form of taking responsibility for someone else's behavior. Um, just next time when this happens, take a moment, reflect on it for a while. What am I feeling in the moment? Why did I choose to say that? What else could I have said? What need does that meet for me? Um, and you may come to some interesting insights. Because in reality, you are not responsible for my happiness or whatever my actions lead to. You certainly can contribute to it, happiness or sadness. But I have a choice about how I perceive events and how I feel about them. You do not cause my feelings. Now that's easy to say, but it sometimes is not so easy to practice. Now, I'm sorry is a gender-linked trait in our culture, and that's supported by research. And there's quite a bit written about this. Uh, there's a number of reasons for this being gender socialization. And also, some of the literature notes, women have a lower politeness threshold than men. Um, sorry or apologies are also perceived as weakness by some. Uh, for males, doubling down is a much better solution. That's sarcasm, by the way. Um, because the problem is, if you don't recognize an error, you can never correct it. Resentments build, and the walls between you and the other person will continue to become taller and wider. Uh, the more troubling reasons for um, immediately say I'm, saying I'm sorry can be poor self-esteem, <clears throat> simply feeling not worthy of getting one's needs met. And if you don't feel worthy, then you, can ask, you cannot ask for anything. Now, of course, it's not only women. Men have this trait, too, and I know plenty of them. And, by the way, if you apologize for something that you are not responsible for and hear something like, well, you should be, that should set off some alarms in you. Now, some of this information came from a blog in Love and War in Psychology Today. When I'm sorry is too much, and I'll post that on the website. And now we're going to try the bell again. Remember to breathe in and out, way in and all the way out. Now here is an example of how not speaking up causes trouble. I was in a long-term relationship and it had gotten my significant other a pair of boots for the snow since we were often out in it. Three years later, we were having an argument, jousting, not utilizing nonviolent communication, I will add. And she said, because she wasn't winning the argument, 
Oh, yeah. Well, no, let me get this right. Oh, yeah? Well, those boots you bought me were two sizes too big. You know, at first I felt hurt. If you remember my relationship with mom uh, that I talked about in one of my podcasts, as if somehow I had done harm to my significant other. Then I thought, am I that hard to approach? You know, have I turned into my father? Then I collected myself, became less defensive, more curious, and I asked her why she had never said anything, and I got the real story that had to do with her upbringing, of course, or family of origin issues. The message being that she received, take what you're given and never complain. If you are doing, if you complain, you're ungrateful and you're being hurtful to us, and in essence, your needs and feelings don't count. Now, this is a pattern many of us fall into, and by doing so, we end up consistently frustrated. And we're afraid to ask for any number of reasons. And a little introspection and uh, awareness of how you're feeling and some of the tension uh, that you may feel when you're starting to ask for something uh, can be instructive. And again, if you're with a person who's playing with you on this, you can just note to them, you know, I want to ask you for this, but I'm aware of a sense of tension and I don't know what it's about. There. They've already picked up that you're a little bit... (laughs) Use the uh, weird or that you're struggling a bit with what you're trying to ask. So why not tell them? Because if they see it and they don't know what's going on, then the cycle's going to begin because they're going to get apprehensive. All right. Now, if you've read or viewed some of Rosenberg's work, you'll be aware that the third component of nonviolent communication is acknowledging the needs behind our feelings. And he really talks about the pain of expressing our needs, which I just touched on a bit, versus the pain of not expressing our needs. And he goes on to say that in a world where we're often judged harshly for identifying and revealing our needs, doing so can be frightening. And this is a really nice observation because what it does is it brings us back to the realm of self-compassion. Rather than judge, understand that this is the world that you have lived in and is a perfectly logical reason why you may feel this way. So don't judge yourself because that will stop you from expressing yourself. He also uh, talks a bit about gender and addresses how the image of a loving woman has been associated with sacrifice and a denial of one's needs to take care of others. Um, Women are often socialized to view caretaking others as their highest duty and learn to ignore other people, putting their needs second. Now, women are not alone. This mentality also affects males. Uh, I can remember the cognitive dissonance I experienced going away to college to the point where I was not invested in my studies for a significant length of time. Um, I remember the moment when I clearly decided I needed to live the life I thought was right for me and the less than enthusiastic responses I received from my family. It was painful to experience. It felt like I was betraying them and they felt that way too, that I was betraying them, I believe. Um, It was a difficult transition from the life they expected me to lead to the life I wanted to lead. But here I am. I need to invite the bell again. Better breathe in. Out. All the way in. And all the way out. So I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to find a practice buddy, or better yet, start a 
nonviolent communication group or book club or a compassionate communication club or, or meeting, um, you will need support to do this. There are not a lot of people who are communicating in this manner with each other. Um, so whether it's Rosenberg, the Compassion Communication Guidelines, or some other avenues you have found to pursue, pursue it. It will be worth the effort. Now, you can begin to identify uh, the areas that you would like to find more fulfillment in your life and to communicate your needs to people. And remember, it takes time to reset our perceptions and attitudes and rewire our brains. But it does work. I am an example of that. Although I haven't quite got where I wanted to be. This is perfectionism in me. Uh, you know, it's um, I want my words to be cons or my actions consistent with my words. And that is a lifelong journey. So let me leave you a bit today with a bit from Marshall Rosenberg. The objective of nonviolent communication is not to change people and their behavior in order to get our way. It's to establish relationships based on honesty and empathy, which will eventually fulfill each other's needs. We are in desperate need, this is me talking, of um, more empathy. And remember what I call an informed, assertive compassion. So that is it for today. Good luck with your practicing.